My name is Dr. Michael Brown, and this is Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the simple and yet strategic choices that all of us can make in order to become the very best version of ourselves. I'm here in Seattle, Washington today with my dear friend, Breck Gowen, and today we talk about building your life and all the ingredients and all the essential elements to actually building your personal and professional life. We talk about risk. We talk about grit. We talk about doing the work. We talk about mindset. We talk about perspective. We talk about Breck's childhood and the roots that brought him where he is today. It is a fascinating story with lots of very powerful and practical principles that you can apply to your life as well. Listen to it and enjoy. So here we are in Seattle, Washington with my dear friend, Breck Gowen. Breck, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Start us off with our three words. Build your life. Build your life. How ironic that you, as the co-founder and CEO of a company called Hammer, <laughs> is actually chosen the words build your life. Now we talk a lot about these things. We met a couple years ago and we've been talking a ton over the last couple of years about what it looks like to build your life. So that's what this conversation is about today, my friend. Personally and professionally, how do we build our lives, our businesses, our futures? To start us off, I would love for our listeners and our viewers to kind of get a sense of what is Hammer. Obviously, you're a 29-year-old CEO, mm -hmm. co-founder of this company, Hammer. What is Hammer? So basically, I think the easiest way to understand it is kind of like a LinkedIn for construction. Okay. Construction workers can go on there, fill out everything in their profile, past experiences, photos of their work, skill sets, certifications, the whole thing. And eventually, we'll uh, evolve it into a labor marketplace where contractors can come in and hire those workers. So why construction and where did this dream come from? I mean, obviously hammer spelled yeah. H A M M R. Correct. Yeah, that E was expensive. Oh, was it? <laughs> so you skipped the E. Yeah, we skipped the E. Um, but where does this come from? Obviously the idea of hammer and building, it seems like it's in your DNA. Mm -hmm. Has it always been? Absolutely. I grew up in a construction family. My okay. grandfather was a logger equipment operator. My dad is a drywall subcontractor. So it started very, very young. So you are connecting the dots for us now. So so how did Hammer come about? Give us a little bit of your journey. Tell us the story. I mean, I know your story, yeah. but be, take us from the beginning. I may interject some questions, mm -hmm. but just how did we get here? Well, I think it kind of goes back to, you know, my, my dad told me several years, probably in my mid-20s, okay. you know, he he had brought up when you were about five or six years old, you, you told me you wanted to be a builder. And it was such a cool story to me because for the first couple of years of entrepreneurship for me, you know, I always felt like I had this calling to build a company, especially around hammer and everything that I was doing. I would constantly tell myself it was a calling, but what I realized is that I was able to connect it back to my roots, my childhood curiosity. I was always building stuff with my grandfather and my father. And so it was just a very deep intrinsic motivation for me to start. But how hammer, uh, came about was, if I kind of take a look back at my junior year at Washington State, uh, I remember walking on campus and there was this like sign that said business plan competition. And if I'm being totally honest, I was studying finance and I was kind of bored with my major. And so I was like, well, I like businesses. Uh, building stuff sounds awesome. 
and I'm going to see if I can enroll in the business plan competition uh, next semester. Okay. And so uh, that was my goal next semester. It wasn't even like what courses I was going to take. So I was like, I just want to do that business plan competition. My next uh, obstacle was I got to figure out which business that I'm going to take through the business plan competition. <laughs> um, ironically, uh, I was living off campus in a house and our uh, house flooded. And it was the worst problem that I had to do to try to get someone from the property maintenance group to come fix everything that was happening in the house. So I was like, okay, awesome. I got an idea. I had a personal problem. It was very painful to try to hire someone and get our property maintenance um, to, to come fix the problem for us. And so I took that through the business plan competition. So this was like my first business idea. And I had, I had business ideas stored away in my nightstand. I would always write down ideas of businesses that I wanted to create. Some ideas were great. Some were definitely toss those. <laughs> um, but I took that through the business plan competition. That's basically where you write out your business plan, everything from like marketing strategy, dr- distribution, what the business model looks like, financials. So you had to do pretty much everything. I took that through, pitched to the judges and everything. And that was kind of my first taste on, okay, there's actually support here for an entrepreneurial ecosystem where I could build a company and have the resources. Yeah, yeah. And so that was pretty fascinating to me. Um, after I graduated uh, college, I did not take a job in finance. That was, it didn't excite me at all. I wanted to go build something. So you only want to do things that are really fun. Yeah, I like I like <laughs> fun things, but also like impact. But I love the risk the risk mindset that you have, and I, I know don't you think for a about risk really. Like I do. There's obviously some sort of risk that you have to take to build something, but that's. I think a lot of people are so stalled. I'm kind of going off track. No, here, no, but, I love it. Let's I, go there. But I think people are just so paralyzed by risk, but they never actually take a start in building a foundation for anything. Well, keep the story going, but we may revisit this idea of fear yeah. and risk and caution. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll go back there. Okay, keep going. so uh, after college, got pretty involved with the entrepreneurial ecosystem system um, in my hometown, Spokane, Washington, and uh, pretty much just started exploring ideas. Mm-hmm. Basically, that, that idea that I took through college around the property uh, management side of thing was the idea was to be kind of like a subscription insurance service that, you know, homeowners could buy into and they could call an improvement professional, so on and so forth. Um, I realized that I wasn't very excited or passionate about that idea. It was just kind of like my first taste of entrepreneurship. And so I moved on to something next. I went back to my dad's job sites. Hmm. I went back to my dad's job sites with a completely different mindset. It wasn't to pick up scraps or to sweep drywall dust. It was primarily around, I want to talk to every single builder, every person on that site that I can to see what their problems are. My first problem that I discovered is a lot of the builders would always talk about finding and vetting subcontractors to do the work because a lot of builders mm-hmm. sub out their yep. work, right? And so I was like, that's a very interesting problem. There's a lot of vetting that goes into around a subcontractor, their financials, if they're available to do the work, their crew size, everything like that. So what I did was I'm going to go build a bidding platform for general contractors and subcontractors to connect and then find work. So I hired some engineers, uh, did that for about six months, pretty much real. Well, I I sold my car too. That was the biggest thing. At this point, how old are you? Uh, like 26 ish or 25. (laughs) You're doing all these incredible things. hiring engineers, right? (laughs) Trying, (laughs) but, uh, hired them, uh, sold my car. That was probably the biggest thing where, you know, I'm, I'm a very big fan of, 
you're going to commit something, commit. Don't, mm. don't like half-ass something because you're probably going to give up to it easy anyways. So for me, I remember sitting in the parking lot with my dad. I had $9,000 in cash on the, the dashboard selling my car. And I was kind of just looking at my car and my, I remember my, my dad goes, how does it feel? And I said, drive away. I don't need, this is, this is just an old stage in my life. I'm ready for the next thing. I want to go build something. Right. So that was a pretty impactful moment. I can, I can visualize exactly Mm -hmm. what I can visualize it. It's powerful. And so, um, but yeah, sold the car, you know, tried hiring people and everything spent about six to seven months on that. Realized that I hired the wrong person to do the job. I mean, I'm not a technical person, so I had to hire someone to build this platform for me. The cool thing was, is you know, it kind of comes back to the Mike Tyson quote. Everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. <laughs> and so my punch in the face was I lost my $9,000, had to let this person go because couldn't really deliver on the platform and everything. But there was an op- opportunity in that obstacle. And that opportunity was when I was talking to every single business owner about what their daily problems were, It was, a lot of it was around the bidding aspect, but the core problem was the workforce, Right. Builders will hire subcontractors. Subcontractors have to hire the labor to do the work. A lot of people will miss projects, delay projects, or just simply have a glass ceiling on their business Mm. because they don't have the workforce to do it. Working on site, being in the field, I had a deep connection to those people. And so I took on a personal mission of, I want to go build the workforce. I want to build for the individuals that do the work. Interesting. And so... Yeah, I had a plan till I got punched in the face, lost all my money. But what I did have was social media. And I always had a fascination for taking photos of construction projects. And I would go find online photos and whatever. Yeah. And I started repurposing them on social media. And the cool thing was, is this was my opportunity. It was a free tool that I could leverage. I didn't really have anything else to do. Like, I'll just start building our social media. And I had the vision. The thing is, is nobody saw the vision. My vision was I'm going to build out distribution, grow a massive community around this company. And then I'm going to launch the company in a couple of years. To everybody else, I was just on my phone all the time. <laughs> but up here, you were building, I was building the foundation and building your life without even, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the interesting thing was I started doing the social media stuff. It started gaining traction. I mean, a lot of the, the builders and the people that I was posting, they weren't on, they weren't on Instagram and these social media platforms. And so I had to seed all of it. I had to go to like Google images, these websites, repurpose it, try to credit people and everything. Eventually all of that effort started compounding. Mm. The audience started growing and growing and growing and growing. I remember a phone call where it really hit for me. Uh, It was James Hardy sighting emailed me. I was like, I'm pretty sure I recognize this name. Called my dad. Hey, do you know who James Hardy Siding is? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that siding is on like most American homes. I'm like, great. Well, they want to do a brand partnership with us. And uh, I sent I sent over a proposal. I like immediately started Googling how to how to send like a how brand proposal. Yeah, like how to do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, sent a proposal yeah. over to them. The funny thing is, Michael, is I was trying to move to Seattle because I really wanted to start this company. And I knew that you know, one, I really wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I'm a very big fan that if you really want to build something, leave your kind of your, your, the place that you kind of grew up in, get out of that comfort zone. And so I needed a way to get to Seattle, but I didn't really have a way. And so I started lining up some of these brand partnerships and that was kind of like my golden ticket to move to Seattle. The funny thing is, is when James Hardy sent uh, the request for the proposal, (laughs) 
I had an audience of about maybe 40, 50,000. Okay. And I, I would like calculate the cost per impressions and everything. Like I just went in on it, right? The thing was, is I sent the proposal for $40,000 for like a six month partnership. It was absolutely absurd. But I thought since I had the niche, I could charge a premium, yeah. right? They said no, uh, but I wasn't going to give up. So I uh, sent back another proposal. Hey, let's partner for two months, 10,000. You got to tell me in three days though. And they said, yes. You got to tell me in three days. Yeah. That was pretty ballsy. For sure. I was just like a 25 year old kid telling some like, I don't know, marketing person like, Hey, give me an, but I was kind of desperate at that point. I, I wanted to move so bad that I was willing to do anything. Well, you weren't just desperate. You were determined. You didn't yeah, have the desperation yeah, yeah. to deflate you. You turned that into determination and you just went for it. So another uh, fundamental piece to that was, you know, I'm all about foundation building. That's the most important component, depending on the size of your vision de depends largely on the size of the foundation that you need to build. Right. I was taking trips back and forth through Seattle, trying to go up there, figure out my move. Mm. I was at a entrepreneurial innovation kind of, uh, uh, could, what am I trying to say? It's the, uh, it's like a tech event or whatever. Okay. Right. Bunch of entrepreneurs, venture capitalists there were everything. I went up to these two guys, random guys after, uh, the, uh, the session and I saw builders. Like they had their company name that said builders on there. And I go up to them. I'm like, what the hell are some two of you got construction dudes doing it like a tech event? They're like, we just like to stay ahead of kind of like what's going on, innovation and everything. And uh, also their lawyers were, were part of the, uh, the event as well. And after talking to him about two hours of kind of like this thing that I wanted to build, the stuff that I was doing on Instagram, he goes, you should meet someone. So I stayed and I met a person the name of Brian Copley, who's the, uh, the co-founder and CEO of city builder. And little did I know that this would become my mentor and the guy mm. that moved me to Seattle to sleep on his office couch for my first month in Seattle. Stop. Yeah. That was your, that was your house. <laughs> yeah, that was my house. I mean, I, my suitcase was there and everything. Um, I remember when I met this guy, I was like, what do I have to lose? Like I can sit here and just try to figure out and plug away in my hometown or I can take this leap of faith. I vetted the guy. He was on GeekWire and I called all of his friends or everyone he was connected with. I mean, it was, it was at a point where he texted me and said, looks like you're doing your due diligence. I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to sleep on your couch, I'm going to try to talk to everyone that I can. <laughs> right. But that was a big moment for me. I remember flying back on the plane. Um, I didn't make my decision yet. It's, I told him I'd make the decision in three days. But in my head, uh, I already made the decision. Mm -hmm. I was going to go back and tell my family that I was going to move. Wow. And here you are. Yeah. I mean, there's well, a little there's bit, a little more, bit to more to that story, but, I love, but, I, but, but, I, but what I'm hearing is, I mean, you said it, the question you posed to yourself is a question that all of our listeners and viewers need to grapple with. What did I have to lose? And I think so often, and it goes back to some of the earlier comments, Breck, this idea of risk, this idea of fear, um, this notion that we have so much to lose. So we can't take those first steps. We can't try something new. We can't step into the unknown and you said, let's go and, and, and look what you built. And obviously there's more to your story. Hammer's successful. Things are happening. What are you afraid of? Or do you even, I, I just asked that question candidly because yeah. what are you afraid of? It seems to me, as I sit here across from you and knowing you for as long, there's very few things that, that I think would startle you or even cause you to say, nope, I'm I not going to try. That. I've experienced quite a bit of pain the last couple of years of my life. Just like 
you know, learning how to build yeah. a company and getting punched in the face early <laughs> in the days. I'm glad that was the biggest opportunity that I had. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I, I'm very thankful for some of those lessons of having to grit it out on the couch, mm -hmm. having to move different places over the next three months, sleeping on my friend's couch. I mean, I remember like people, I, I hated telling people that I was sleeping on couches because I didn't want the judgment. They didn't see the vision that I had. Right. And I didn't want to acknowledge because there was some judgment in it. And so, you know, for me, for a while, I was kind of fearful of failure. I mean, I think any achiever is to a certain extent is fearful of failure. But what I'm most afraid of is when I'm laying on my deathbed and I look back on my life and saying, man, I could have gave it more than I had. Yeah. And so that's ultimately what drives me. I think the the first initial fear is kind of like it's calculated risk, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the thing is, is you start becoming a lot less fearful about fail, failure when you prepare. All of your anxiety is rooted in because you're not fucking doing the work. Mm. You're not ready. You're not ready. Yeah. You know, it's funny since we've be cultivated this friendship and I've been kind of spending time with you on a regular basis talking about building your life, building your future, building. We actually have toyed with the idea of writing a book together. And you just committed to me a few minutes ago off off camera that we it. would Let's write this it. book. But the, the book is basically build your life. Yeah. I mean, it, there's going to be a book that flows out of this conversation. And you and I... um together. Well, I kind of initiated the process because I am an acrostic guy. I like to actually use words and build out concepts, but we've been talking a lot about this notion of build. And if I may, I just want to kind of dig into each of these letters, B-U-I-L-D, because in my perception, as I know you and as I've listened to you and as I've watched you grow and evolve and, and develop into this extraordinary 29-year-old that you are today, you are already embody and exhibit the qualities that we're going to talk about. And that is one, believe, you understand, I innovate, L lead. <laughs> and then obviously we wrap it up with D, do the work. Mm -hmm. Let's take a few minutes and actually unpack each of those because you have so many thoughts. It's interesting, you know, as I spend time with with clients and individuals and friends. I, I'm always giving little tips about different routines and rhythms and things we should read. You're already there. You're reading, you're absorbing, you're thinking, you're meditating, you're processing. So a lot of these things that we're talking about now, you have been building at a very young age, your mindset as well as your life. So I, I'm just curious, when you think about that first idea of building your life, be for believe. What comes to mind for you? What are the beliefs that you need to be to, to have? I mean, foundational. You use the term yeah, foundation. Yeah, yeah, foundation. So a lot of what I think around believe and beliefs. Well, one for the belief for me, it's you got to believe that you're building a life of value first before you can really do anything else. So it starts off with the vision, right? And then you can execute. But I think, uh, you know, the, the heart of believe is your belief system, right? That's the foundation of what drives your intrinsic behavior anyways. Mm -hmm. Everything. And Behaviors so, are fueled by beliefs. Yes. But also we can, this is a whole nother topic. Let's go. Right? What do you but, mean? <laughs> I mean, you, you can't build beliefs if you're not doing the work. And so the work mm -hmm. comes first. Mm -hmm. A lot of, there's so much fluff right now around these like marketing and mindset stuff around, you got to refine your beliefs and you got to believe this and all this manifestation bullshit. And I get it. You got to believe that stuff. But if you're not doing this, the work, you're not going to mm -hmm. be confident. You're not going to have grit. You're not going to have anything. And so if you're not taking the steps, like a lot of what identity is, is you doing the work, you, you take deliberate action. So for example, maybe a lot of your listeners, uh, you know, live healthy lifestyles, go to the gym, whatever workout. Yeah. 
you can't tell me that, you know, you, you can't sit there and say like, I am a healthy person. I am a healthy person. Look yourself in the mirror. If you're not going to the gym, <laughs> like you have to exercise that muscle, whatever you have to be doing the work in order to believe in the work that you're doing. That's the most important thing. Well, and, and, and again, even from a user from identity, and, and I've shared this with you before, and I've said this in a variety of occasions in contexts, that the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about you. Mm-hmm. Um, your identity, what you think of Breck, who you think Breck to be, what you think Breck can accomplish, um, as well as connected to actually doing the work, yeah. um, has shaped your identity today. So that's why we make it that first foundational mm-hmm. idea of belief is the mindset. I'm with you, bro. Obviously, you can't just sit in a room and, and try to, uh, to, to envision without any execution, <laughs> right? It, it helps. Needs to be, it, it, needs, helps it does help. But, it do, but you need to then follow up. Yeah. So the second piece then is understanding, mm-hmm. learning, 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 continuing to grow, continuing to read, continuing to actually understand yourself, but also understand the things that you need to build. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you become an, an expert in this area of online uh, construction marketplace kind of ideas because you've been studying it you've been learning it you because again you're not going to build a life if you don't learn mm-hmm. and so that understanding piece I mean what have you needed to understand about you and even about the field and this whole idea to build the life that you're building today I mean the first thing about the field and the industry is that domain expertise is very very important this is a hard industry with very big and hard problems to solve and so you have to have a deep understanding deep understanding yeah and i mean you know what's funny michael is i've learned more after college than i did in college mm. in college 70% of the stuff bored me well clearly you didn't even like finance i didn't even follow I mean, your was, major <laughs> it was fine like it helped me build a pro forma which you know yeah. helps in some areas today but it doesn't really teach you the grit and the obstacles that you have to go through in life that's ultimately it goes back to the mike tyson quote everybody has a plan to get punched in the face you're gonna get punched in the face a lot in entrepreneurship and it's just really how so understanding even and you've used this phrase early on in our conversation and the phrase is opportunity in obstacle. Yeah. So you need to understand that there are obstacles. Mm-hmm. You need to understand how to navigate around those yeah. obstacles. That you're actually, from what I'm hearing, is you have learned and understand things based as much upon experience as actually just reading or researching or thinking. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. But it's also like application too. Okay. Like for me, it took me a really it took me a while to like be okay making a lot of mistakes because like, especially when you're first starting out in your journey, like you want to seem like you're crushing it. You don't want to make that many mistakes. You want to build this company extremely fast, but I've just embraced that the faster that I can make mistakes, the quicker mm-hmm. I can learn. So let's just make them fast as possible. Yeah. Like, let's get on with it. I need to learn this shit anyways. So like, let's do it right yes. away. But that doesn't make and- you nervous. I mean, sometimes, but again, nervousness comes from not being prepared about the subject at hand. And so for me, I'm always trying to prepare. Always prepare. There's where the understanding comes in. Because for you, you're super prepared. Even for the podcast today, right? type A on it. Yeah. So three (laughs) words, podcast on the road. We've been traveling from city to city, having lots of spontaneous informal conversations. And of course, Breck Goen is sending me notes and saying, here's the things I want to talk about. You're just so thoughtful. You're a learner. You're a strategic thinker. You have really mastered and are continuing to master the you and build belief, Mm. understanding, but also innovation. Yeah. To build an extraordinary life, 
you have to be innovative to build an extraordinary business. You just described to me this construction marketplace idea is really complicated. Mm -hmm. You've got to be innovating if you're going to get ahead of the curve. You got to be obsessed. Ooh, talk to me about that. Obsessed with what? Uh, to really get anything done in life, you got to be obsessed about it. So obsession and opportunity yeah. through obstacle. Here we go. I'm just thinking of different no, phrases. Yeah. So are you an obsessive person? Oh, for sure. My first obsession was basketball when I was a kid. Okay. This was like two years old, super obsessed with Michael Jordan. And that's actually what the majority, like kind of going back to Let's some go. of my roots, roots and everything, but a majority of my life from like, gosh, two, like I still have my Michael Jordan booties. My dad saved them. I have two <laughs> pairs. Um, but that was a majority of my life. The thing was, is I didn't just like basketball. Like I, I mean, it, it's very different. It's taken a way different course now, but I wanted to play like professional basketball or play at Duke. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny saying that because I would have to add like 12 more inches to my height and <laughs> bulk up a bit. Um, but that was a majority of my life. Like I, I kind of had a vision from a very young age, but the thing was, is it wasn't just about a vision or like saying that I wanted to do these things. I was the kid, my, my dad was the coach for a lot of the, the stuff in my younger days, but I was the kid where I would shovel snow to play basketball where I'd go get my dad's drywall lights and set them up at 10, 11. I was so inspired by that. I think it was the, um, what's the Michael Jordan cartoon? Uh, I Space know. Jam, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Space Jam. And I was so inspired by that. There's a scene of Michael Jordan like playing at midnight and his dad comes out and tells him to come inside because it's late. I was so inspired by that. And so I started doing it and like putting up the drywall lights and practicing or I would practice before school, like 6, 7 a.m. before yeah. school. And even furthermore, it was um, I would play the basketball game and then I'd go practice after the game on all the shots that I missed. Hmm. And so I just had a very, very deep obsession around that. Well, and that's how you connected obsession to the eye of innovation because you yeah, were obsessing sure. about it. And then you would literally use the opportunity post game to innovate for and to sure. figure yeah. out how to solve that problem, how to get better, how to improve. Now you can't obviously add 12 inches to you. There's no <laughs> physiological way Bummer. to do that. Not yet. But you were innovating. You were, you were using the resources you had at hand mm -hmm. to be able to become the best basketball player you can. You're doing that even with your life now. You're doing that with this business is you're always innovating. We talk all the time and you're innovating this and you're thinking about this and you're shifting here. You are the master of pivot. You pivot, pivot, pivot. You can pivot. You can try something new. You can bring this in. You, you are not ever, for as long as I've known you in the last three years, I would never be able to say at any point of Breck Gowen, he is stuck. No way. Because you're innovating all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about leadership. That's the L. So mm -hmm. belief followed by understanding, followed by innovation, followed by leadership. I mean, how do you think? Because obviously people are going to be listening to this, viewing this and thinking about, oh, here's this 29-year-old entrepreneur. But in many ways, you're a 29-year-old leader. You're now hiring people. You are the CEO of this company. It is very likely down the road, you're going to be hiring individuals who are older than you. <laughs> and what is that going to look like? Like, what does leadership look like to you? I think the most simple foundation to it is lead by example. I never ask or delegate work that I'm not willing to do. So I always do it first. And then it makes asking and delegating the easy part. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is I'll be the person that's sweeping the office, like everything. 
And so I just lead by example and it makes leadership extremely simple. You're not too good for that? Why? <laughs> well, you were involved in a fraternity actually. Sure. Uh, Phi yeah. Kappa Theta where servant leadership. That was a very core principle to us. To what you were building. And obviously as you're a part of this fraternity, um, and I love the motto of Phi Kappa Theta, giving, expecting nothing mm-hmm. thereof, Yep. Um, which is obviously a very powerful idea. But in many ways you're embodying and you're describing even now servant leadership leading by example. What are other leadership lessons that you have learned or leadership principles that you would share with those who are falling behind you, who are maybe five years behind you, 10 years Mm -hmm. behind you saying, I want to be an extraordinary leader in my life as well as in business. The first one that comes to mind is don't ask for permission. You got to take initiative. You got to drive. That's what a leader does, right? they drive. Yes. They get in the car and they drive and they take initiative. If anything, they... They say sorry for messing up or whatever, but you got to take initiative. Yeah. You got to get in the car. You got to drive it. You got to go from point A to point B. That's ultimately what a leader does. They mm-hmm. get the work done. It's simple. Well, and you use it from initiative and not asking permission. It, it, most individuals who are working a job are thinking in terms of just tell me what the next thing is I need yeah. to do. Those who are building a life are saying, let's go. And this is what I'm going to do mm-hmm. without asking permission, but also you know, I like to think this idea that that you can't steer a parked car, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right? <accurate. laughs> so it's like, let's put it at least in drive. Let's, let's move this thing yeah. forward. And we can obviously change lanes and get off exits and do different things. But so often we put it in park yeah. and then are wondering why we're not moving <laughs> and why we're not changing and evolving. You want to know the most liberating thought that I've had and an analogy that, I'm, that I've had over the last several months is it, it goes back to, to driving the car, right? The thing about leading is you can always course correct. Like you need to make the mistakes. Let's take, for example, driving a car. If you miss a turn and you go down and you go into a cul-de-sac and you realize you took the wrong turn, are you just going to sit there? Or are you going to course correct, get back on your Google Maps and get to your destination? You're not just going to sit there. And so that analogy for me has been so simple, but also very liberating to say, let's not sit here and marinate in a mistake. Let's just course correct. Plus we've illuminated the alley or the road that we don't, and shouldn't go down in the future. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like your guiding roadmap. Well, that whole life philosophy is so powerful and it is freeing because what I think, at least those I interact with on a regular basis in a variety of contexts, they're so afraid of failing. You said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what happens in, is the is the product then or the result of being afraid of failure is to be immobilized. Yeah, versus or just to innovate lacking in, clarity. I mean, yeah. that's what it really comes down to. It's, and it's, I think, well, it kind of comes down to like the whole perfection type of mindset is everything has to be figured out in order for you to take an action. But honestly, it usually plays out a lot differently than you were anticipating in the first place. And the thing is, is step two doesn't really become clear until you take step one. Mm. And so you just got to take step one. Well said, which ties into the D of build mm-hmm. is belief. Yes. Understanding. Yes. Innovation and leadership, of course. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, and you say this all the time, and I'm sure you have plenty of insights and thoughts to say about it, but you're just like, let's do the work. I mean, you can have amazing beliefs and deep, profound understanding and be the most innovative person and extraordinary leadership qualities. But if you don't do the work, nothing is built. All of us have known that person that's really smart that really maybe hasn't gotten anywhere because they really haven't taken an action. And it's just wasted knowledge and wasted talent. The people that have gotten somewhere in life are doing stuff about it. 
And the, the, I think that the whole do your work thing, the, the thing that I love about that, there's, there's a phrase to it, but it's do the work and the work will take care of you. Mm. Nothing is wasted. All these skills, these lessons, these experiences, they're shaping you over time. They're molding you and crafting and building you into something. And so that's another thing that has been liberating for me is nothing is wasted. Ironically, Breck, I think we're on the same wavelength. I, I mean, we, we, we spend so much time together at this point, you know, via Zoom, right? And yeah, via, yeah. via FaceTime. It's great to be with you face to face for the first time in two years. But actually, we have a master kind of brainstorming list of three-word phrases for our three-word podcast. So we've just obviously dropped recently uh, the 97th, as we record this today, the 97th episode. And there are hundreds more coming. One of those three-word phrases on that list that is a future episode, and maybe you and I can do that one together, is nothing is wasted. Oh, I didn't realize that three words. <laughs> well, no, so now, so. <laughs> and now when I'm hanging out with you, I'm starting to think of the three word phrases. Oh, I love three word phrases. But seriously, not, I mean, and again, for that very reason is that we tend to think, um, this was wasted or this wasn't help. Yeah. No, nothing is wasted. It's a lesson. Well, it is an opportunity, whether it's an obstacle, it's an opportunity, it's a, you know, a moment in time. Let's learn from it. Let's grow from it. Let's mm-hmm. evolve from it. Let's, let's pivot. Let's, let's bounce from it. Let's, Use that as a launching pad to something different. Like, why are we so afraid? Why do we just stay stuck in this moment waiting? Mm-hmm. Waiting for what? Yeah, I mean, I think why a lot of people get stuck too is uh, another thing that has helped me is kind of like this analogy of like a bamboo tree growing. Okay. And it takes a really long time for a bamboo to actually grow and seed and become this amazing plant, right? But all of those days leading up to the moment before it sprouts, those aren't wasted. It's just preparing its foundation. And so that's what I've been able to internalize is all these steps that I'm taking every single day, this whole like mentality. And well, it's now it's now it's a principle, but behind build your life is the foundational stays are the most important because if you're not going to do the stuff in the foundation, you're not going to maintain it once you have it. And so it's the habits, the rituals, but also the daily discipline. That's what building your life is all about is the daily discipline, taking action on whatever area that you want to improve on. That's financially, personally, professionally, uh, relationships, grit, confidence, everything is built. And so when I take in, you know, consideration going back to my roots of telling my dad at five or six, I wanted to be a builder. If I can just apply that same attitude mindset to multiple areas of my life, what can I not build? Well, and you've used the phrase daily discipline. And and again, you keep going back to this idea of foundation. I don't yeah. build houses. I don't know much about houses, but from what I understand. You never build anything on a shaking one. So, <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it's better, it, you know, if my window's a little bit broken or it, that is not as much of a big deal as a crack in the foundation, Yeah. right? So we've got to build the foundation well. We have to give great attention to building the foundation. Now, again, in this generation, we don't like that because we like fast. We like Mm -hmm. microwaves. We like now. And so foundations take time. Bamboo trees take a while to grow. You've talked about daily discipline. Now, I know you well enough to know even as a 29-year-old young man, and I, I think you're young because I consider myself significantly older than you, so I'll use the term young man, you have a lot of discipline. You have tremendous focus in your rhythms and routines. For those who are listening and are saying, well, yeah, I want to build a business and I want to build a life, but can you let us in, maybe pull back the curtain and let us in on a little bit of some of what your daily rhythms and routines and disciplines look like? I think that would be fascinating for our, our viewers and listeners to hear. 
Yeah. So, uh, a lot of my daily discipline started, well, one of my foundational pieces, I do say foundation a lot. <laughs> I love um, it. One of the most important pieces was going and working out and getting my health figured out. Mm. Right. I was for most of my life, I was always kind of like the smaller kid that kind of had to prove himself. Maybe mm. that's where a lot of my tenacity comes from, uh, most likely. But in college, it started with changing my rhythm from working out in the afternoon or later in the afternoon, starting it first thing in the morning, getting up at like six, 7 a.m. and getting the hardest thing done first. What that's allowed me to do is now I do the hardest thing with work first mm. and I get the biggest task out of my way. And so it's really just enabled me to kind of like take grasp and take control of my day. If I can get the most important thing done that day, that's a damn good day. And so for me, my, my, it's kind of changed because I'm kind of in this experimental stage with my routine right now. But for the last two, three, four years, whatever it's been now, it was getting up, going to the gym in the morning. That was the hardest part of my day, like beating the crap out of your body. Like, yeah, that's not something that everybody just jumps up for joy. What that also helped me. Uh, develop is grit too. Like most people, I would say most people don't jump for joy. We're all out of bed and saying like, Oh God, I'm going to go kind of beat myself up with this workout. But how do you feel after it? Amazing. Of course. Cause you did the hard thing. That you Every, did the hard thing. No one feels terrible after they work out or do something hard. It's such a rush of accomplishment. And so if you can get that one win out of the day, then you kind of just start this rhythm. Right. Mm. Um, but I think that's the most fundamental piece. Uh, also, it's nightly routine. You've talked a lot about this yeah, yeah. evening before bed routine. Yeah. Talk. So this also started in college was I kind of just felt like I wanted to have a better grasp of my day uh, for, for the most part. And the majority of my life, you kind of just take the next day for whatever it throws at you. That's a completely reactive state. I like mm -hmm. to be proactive. Um, and so I'd start a nightly routine in college. This was very simple. It was a to-do, uh, basically a to-do list for the next day. And that's all it was. And I just did it every single night. Mm -hmm. Eventually that transitioned and evolved into a thing that uh, I eventually coined as self-investing Sundays. It sounds so cheesy, but it helped, right? Every Sunday was an hour session. This was when I was in college and immediately right after I graduated. Oh. <clears throat> self-investing Sunday, an hour session on Sundays, pen and paper, write down everything in my journal on kind of what went well that week. So reflection and then what I wanted to achieve or do or just had to plan out for the upcoming week. That was the catalyst behind Build Your Life three, four years later. Interesting. Self-investing Sundays. Yeah. You know, I like to use Sundays to design my week, similarly to it's you. Very like, similar, yeah. Yeah, just this idea that proactivity versus reactivity. I mean, you said it. I mean, how often do we live our lives just, well, let's see what happens today. Oh, God, that, sounds, <laughs> that gives me anxiety. If we're talking anxiety. Let's that. just see what's <laughs> – let's just – Let's see what happens. Now, what's interesting though, as you are proactive, yeah. I mean, I'd be curious your thoughts on this, but as we're proactive, there's actually more opportunity for spontaneity mm -hmm. and there's more opportunity for, I know you like to go bike riding. I mean, that's like one yeah. of your favorite things because you, my friend, have tendencies toward workaholism, I think. And that goes to That's your where you've helped me like stay grounded because I'll <laughs> obsess over certain areas of my life. But yeah. No, right. I love that though, because- it's it's better to take someone who is obsessive and who is just driven and gritty and full of tenacity and energy and say, why don't we scale back a little bit? Why don't we create a little bit of rhythm and routine and margin versus someone whose car is in park? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a whole different experience to be able to take someone and say, slow down a little bit than to be able to do that. 
I am curious. Uh, you are a reader. Leaders are readers. Readers are leaders, right? They say. Um, what are some books? Uh, because I know you read so much. What are some books that have been really inspirational or um, important in your journey? Yeah. So one of them was, uh, I think it was called Ask Gary V in the Beginning Days. So I yeah. read that book kind of right after college. I think I read up to page 150 something. But okay. that was that was the whole reason why I started my Instagram audience in the first place. And I shut that book. I have not opened that book. And ever since I read to that page and was like, I need to go build like a community and an audience around this thing. So that you I'm read building. enough to know what I needed to do. Yeah. And then you shut the basically, book. Basically, the book was thrown away at that point. I just needed one thing from that book. That was the only thing that I remember from that book is kind of build your audience, right? Uh, but another one has been The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's mm-hmm. a lot around stoicism. Yes. Um, that one has been really good for me to grasp on. There's an, uh, there's an opportunity in every single obstacle. So like for me, being an entrepreneur, I love problems because it means I get to solve them. Mm. And so I'm always looking for opportunities in the obstacles. Like if there's a problem and some, someone doesn't want to solve it over there, I'm going to go scope it out because there's, there may be an opportunity. Or if there's not, at least I learned and I can kind of like duplicate off that. Another book, and this was really, really important for me to understand, was a, a book called Mastery by Robert Greene. The whole concept behind Mastery was go back to your roots. And this is probably the one of the only things that I've taken from the book. Uh, go back to your roots. For a very long time, I always had kind of this, this pull and this intrinsic motivation, like I was kind of alluding to earlier to like build hammer, build my life and, you know, build this workforce that has raised me. Right. Right. Uh, wow. The cool thing about that is I would always just call it a calling. And I never really understood like why there was like this magnetic force behind like every decision I'd make from starting the podcast to starting hammer to course correcting when I needed to. It was always just like, I just felt like it was my DNA for a while. The thing that that book has helped me realize is there is a personal exercise in that book and it's go back to your roots. Hmm. Remember what I said earlier about my dad told me I wanted to be a builder at five or six. That was my deep intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. Everything that I was doing as a kid, working with my father, my grandfather, I just liked building cool stuff. I want to be a part of something much larger than myself. That was my intrinsic motivation that it took me 20 some years to kind of realize that in the whole starting of Hammer but that's where it really clicked for me. And I understood why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And you're not afraid of pain and you're not afraid of struggle. You mentioned stoicism. I, I tend to be quite stoic myself. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that for a minute, because I think so often it's countercultural that struggle is normal, uh, that pain is okay. That, that it, when you think about even painful situations or struggles in your life, I, I'd be curious how your kind of perspective and paradigm through the stoic kind of lens has shaped some of those things for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, the immediate thought that comes to, to my head is if you're kind of broken by some external thing, then you kind of just fall into pieces. But if you're kind of like broken internally, you can kind of build back mm, and like, like evolve that. yourself and mold yourself. But really how I think about like pain and struggle is maybe asking you a question. Do you like, nobody likes 
do you like watching movies that there's no struggle or triumph and like the whole Rocky stuff? If Rocky, if that movie was just him kind of going about his daily routine and then winning fights, whatever, right. it's not that entertaining. Well, even all the Disney movies, even yeah, as I grew up, yeah. every Disney movie from Lion King yeah. to, you know, I, I know you can't even think of, you know, Dumbo. <laughs> know. Yeah, yeah. But, but you think about these, you think about, there's always this point of like, oh no, what's going to happen? We love yep. that. And then we love the resolution at the end. We love the fact that there was this challenge, this struggle that someone overcame. You're not going to watch a movie. Where there's not struggle. Mm-mm. But the very thing that we most enjoy in all of those movies, use Rocky as an example, the very part of the movies or books even that we read, you know, if it's a fiction book that we love the most that cause us to be like, oh, this is exciting. This is fun is the very thing we despise in our own lives. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Nobody absolutely. wants to have it for themselves. I mean, for a while, like when I was going through the couch surfing stuff, you know, on month two or three, that's where it really started to hit home. I was like, I want to get off this damn couch. Like this, this is starting to suck. Mm. What I remember telling myself is this is going to make a damn good story. And who likes telling stories that suck? Like I'm right. just saying, but movies and stories and everything. So that's what I constantly had to remind myself is this is going to be a way better story. I'm going to look back someday and say like, I'm glad that I went through that. Well, and again, uh, you're telling the story. It actually is going to make a good story because now you're on Three Words Podcast telling the story. <laughs> yeah. And you actually aren't sleeping on a couch. Tomorrow you you move from Seattle to San Francisco. Yeah. You The company is now paying you. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually are building your life and building a bank account and building your future and building so much. The foundation has been belief, identity. The foundation has been uh, your hard work and all of these things that have made you who you are today. You know, Breck, um, you are a very, uh, if I can use the word, prepared individual. And, and and there's so many things, I'm sure, even as you thought about our conversation, that you're like, I want to share this with those who are coming behind me. As we begin to kind of wrap up this conversation in this particular episode of Three Words Podcast on the Road, are there other thoughts or insights or something that you wanted to say out loud that will be remembered forever. Those who are going to learn from who are listening to you that are a part of this documentary of your life. I'm just going to sit quietly and let you share other things that are coming to mind as we begin to come to a close. I think the biggest thing with build your life is the the phrase that's coming to my head is if you want it, build it. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different areas in your life. You can enrich your story by just taking deliberate action every single day. I think what, you know, the core foundation and the principle behind build your life means is that you're fully present in the pursuit and the journey. Again, nothing is wasted. The experiences, the lessons, the story that you're writing for yourself, like make it as rich as you can sleep on the couches, be gritty, build discipline, build confidence. And that's the biggest thing with build your life. And the cool thing is it doesn't have to be a company. It can be as simple as, well, I want to build my health. So I'm going to wake up tomorrow and go exercise. And you can apply it to everything, financial, personal relationships, experiences, take that trip, whatever it is, build something. I love it. You know, typically at this point in the podcast, I'll turn to the camera and say to our viewers, in light of what Brecht just shared with us, in light of our conversation today, here are my final thoughts. Breck just gave us our final thoughts. Breck just gave us a lot to think about. You, my friend, um, first of all, I love being your friend. 
I love being on this journey with you. I love watching you actually build this extraordinary thing. But more than anything, if you're listening or viewing today, what is most extraordinary about Breck Goen is that you indeed are building a life that is worthy and something that not only you, but generations to come will be proud of. Do you want that for you? If you're listening and viewing today, do you want to actually have a life that matters and has meaning? Because if you do, the time is now. Begin today. Commit in this moment to build your life. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.